What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week nine of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. I hope everybody had a really happy and a safe Halloween last night. We had about 40 trick-or-treaters, which is really down. We used to have upwards of like 200 or something. We had like 40 trick-or-treaters last night. It was a fun night. Hope you guys had fun as well. Let's talk about week eight before we get into week nine. Week eight, of course, defined by our second tie in as many weeks in the NFL. It was a successful week for us across the board, really. Seven, five, and one straight up last week. Again, only 13 games last week. So seven, five, and one, it's over 500. At the end of the day, we'll take it. You always want it to be better, but we'll take it for sure. 75 up, 43 down, and two ties on the season straight up. Against the spread, we had a winning record. We were 7-6 and six against the spread last week. It's barely a winning record, but it's a winning record and we'll take it. 62 up, 55 down with three pushes on the season against the spread. Over under, we were more successful. 8-5 and five on the over under last week. 66 up, 53 down, and one over under on the season. It's a big improvement from me from seasons past on over under. Taking a look at the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week eight last week. The bronze pick, we did really well. As a matter of fact, we swept the board on the bronze pick last week. I told you to take Oakland to beat Tampa Bay. It took overtime, but they did it. 30-24, to 24, Oakland wins that game in overtime on a big bomb touchdown pass from Derek Carr. Some awful tackling by that overrated, I believe, Tampa Bay defense. Even though people don't tend to rate them highly, they're still overrated. Oakland wins that game 30-24. to It was a straight-up win. It was a win against the spread because I told you to take Oakland plus one, so that worked out. Don't know why they were a betting underdog in that game, as we talked about. And it was an over-under win because I told you to go over 49. And again, it took overtime, but we got there. So straight up against the spread and over-under, boom, we swept the bronze pick. Then we go to the silver pick where we were eh, not quite as successful. So the silver pick, I told you to take Minnesota to beat Chicago, and what a shit show last night on Monday Night Football. That was an awful performance by the Vikings. Hopefully that's their one-off for terrible performances this season because that looked terrible. And as I joked to the admins of the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, it looked like the Minnesota Vikings dressed up as the 2011 Minnesota Vikings for Halloween this year because they played awful. They lose that game 20-10 to in Chicago to the Bears. It was an against-the-spread loss as well as I told you to go Minnesota minus 5.5 because it was under a touchdown. That didn't work out. However, we did scrape together an over-under win there as I told you to stay under 41 points. The gold pick, I told you to take New England to beat Buffalo, 16-point win, two-possession game. New England wins that one big, 41-25. to It was an against-the-spread win as well, New England minus 6.5. That one worked out. It was under a touchdown. Take it all day. However, we didn't win the over-under. I told you to stay under 47.5 points on it because it's two fairly good defenses. Uh, New England almost clears 47.5 on their own, so that game went way over. We got a loss there. And on the platinum pick, I told you to take Denver to beat San Diego. They did that comfortably, 27-9, another 16-point win. No, sorry, 18-point win right there. I was against the spread loss because I told you to take San Diego plus 6. I honestly thought this was going to be a really close game, come down to a field goal at the end of it. 
Well, you know, so much for that. Uh, it was an over-under win, however. I told you to stay, or to go over, rather, 44.5 points, so that worked out there. So, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze from week eight. We were 3-1 and one straight up. We were 2-2 two and two against the spread, and we were 3-1 and one over-under. That's a good week. Taking a look now at the Bridgewater's finest private pick'em pools for season five of the show, starting as always in the straight up pool. I still remain in first place out of 28 managers, although the gap between first and second has closed, I believe, to four points or something like that. So it's been cut in half each of the last two weeks. The pack has definitely caught up to me in that regard. 639 out of 964 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 66% on the season. It's good enough to be in first place but not by a whole hell of a lot we'll put it that way in week eight i pulled in 60 out of 91 possible confidence points would have been a better week had minnesota not crapped the bed last night on monday night football but it would have been a better week for everybody had that not happened so there you go 60 out of 91 is also a 66 percent clip so we're right there with the season average Shout out to both our week eight winner and the only manager in the league to take Chicago to win Monday Night Football last night and only naturally. It's Jay Cutler for MVP, Chicago underscore span on Twitter. Steven wins week eight, 10-2 and one straight up in week eight. That's an unbelievable record hitting double digits in a week that only had 13 games. That was incredible. Way to go, Steven. 10-2-1, 75 out of 91 possible confidence points on the week. That's a clip of 82%. So those two losses and the push, the, I mean, the push hurts everybody, obviously, but the two losses, he did lose a decent number of points on those, I suppose, on average. But hey, 82%, that's nothing to sneeze at at all. So Jay Cutler for MVP wins week eight. And once again, as I mentioned, I remain the overall leader, but the gap is very, very thin. So shout out to Steve. Even Jay Cutler for MVP for winning week eight, and I guess to myself for remaining the overall leader. Taking a look at the against the spread private pick'em pool, uh, I moved up one spot from last week. I was in sixth. I am now in fifth place out of 20. We picked up a 20th manager, so that's awesome. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, 62 correct against the spread picks out of the 120 games that have been played thus far. That's only a clip of 52%, so it's really nothing to write home about. But hey, we're moving in the right direction, at least from last week. I went 7 for 13 against the spread last week. Of course, 7 and 6. It's 54%. It's trending in the right direction. Shout out to our week eight winner and our new overall leader. And she's going to start getting tired of hearing me mention her name. Holly Gordon, Brady's back, wins week eight and takes over the overall lead as well. She went 10 for 13 against the spread in week eight. That is really excellent. 77% clip. Really, really something special. So she did that and took over the overall lead in the pool as well. 67 out of 120 possible against the spread picks being picked correctly. 56% clip on the season. So shout out to Brady's back for winning week eight and being the new overall leader. Congrats, Holly. Let's take a peek over into Fantasy Corner now to take a look at how my eight fantasy football teams did in week eight. And in week eight, again, you'll mention you'll remember the last three weeks I've been five and three. Can't get over that five and three hump. Well, we took a step back last week. We were only four and four across those eight fantasy football teams. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I put up another loss, this time to Billy B, and Billy really actually clobbered me. 
Uh, I had, I think, the lowest score of the week. It was probably the biggest blowout of the week. Billy, uh, the game, again, was really not all that competitive. So Billy beats me there. I've now dropped down to three and five in that league, and it's starting to get dangerous because only six teams make the playoffs, and I think I'm sitting somewhere in 10th. So I really need to start picking it up here because the fantasy regular season is going to be over before we know it. Shout out to Billy B for the win last week. Congratulations. In week nine, I take on Team Chimichangas. Right now, it's a projected win, but then again, I've had projected wins the last couple of weeks and haven't been able to pull it off. So, shout out to Billy B for beating me in week eight. Week nine, Team Chimichangas, shout out to you. Good luck this week. You're going to need it. And of course, I'll mention as always that if you're watching the video, listening to the episode on YouTube, you can go to the description of the video. You're going to be able to find all of my results from week eight, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week nine in the NFL season. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools for season five of the show. It's worth joining up there. We got the 20th member in the against the spread Pick'em Pool. If that person wins a week, they're going to get shouted out on an episode. There's no better time. You might as well join up now you win a week you get yourself shouted out so join up there you're going to find the link to the nfl youtube prognosticators facebook page we get on there we talk football all week it's really fun you're also going to find links to other high quality nfl youtube prognosticators who get out there and do this every single damn week. If you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, search NFL YouTube Prognosticators on Facebook. The group has really been expanding over the last couple of weeks, and I do a little pat on the back. I take partial credit for that. But make sure you join the group. It's a lot of fun. We talk football all week. Make sure you join in. Get in on the fun. It's our second straight week of only 13 games being on the slate, and if we're being honest, there's really no reason why a 13-game week should have taken me 56 minutes last week, so we're going to try to make this a little bit shorter this week. Let's get into the picks. We're going to start in Kansas City, where the Chiefs are going to play host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, of course, making some news around the league at the quarterback position and basically on offense in general firing their offensive coordinator they've hired a new offensive coordinator for this week and uh, I think we all know what that means probably means that that offense not going to be in place in enough time for this to really have a big impact positive impact anyway on this game Blake Bortles has also brought in a quarterback specialist to try and fix the problems with his mechanics. And anyone that's been watching him throw for the last few weeks knows exactly what this means. So he's brought in a specialist to try and get that fixed up. New offensive coordinator, new specialist. Look, if you look at Blake Bortles' numbers, he has not been good enough this year. Before last week, he had not thrown for over 300 yards since I believe week two. He started the season really hot and then totally tailed off. TJ Yeldon has been very good. Very good for the Jags. Chris Ivory, now that he's back in there, they're both in there. And the running game, I think, is going to be good. I don't think it's going to be enough to beat Kansas City in Kansas City, where Kansas City is 3-0 at home. Now, the Chiefs have their own concerns here. Originally, it was thought that Alex Smith had a concussion. Now, apparently, the Chiefs are saying, no, he didn't suffer a concussion, but he was taken out of that game last week twice. Jamal Charles is having therapy done on his knee. Spencer Ware is in the concussion protocol. That's basically all of their weapons as their wide receivers are almost non-existent. It's basically Travis Kels, and I don't think he can play quarterback. If Alex Smith is not ready to go, I believe Nick Foles is the backup for Kansas City. 
So that could be a real problem, and they may have Charkandrick West having to be the starting running back if neither Ware nor Charles are ready to go. There are problems with this game. Originally, I had this game in my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, and then I really dipped into the research, and I was like, wait a minute, every dangerous player on Kansas City is injured. What's going to happen? But I still like it enough, given that Kansas City is at home, I like it enough to say that the Chiefs will beat the Jags straight up. One of the big reasons for that is Jacksonville's defense on the road has been awful this year. They're giving up an average of 30 points against per game on the road, and that is a big old problem. Not to mention Kansas City's defense has been pretty lights out at home. They're only giving up an average of 17 per game. The offense is scoring an average of 28. That's a pretty big gap. So I still think Kansas City wins this game comfortably. Kansas City beats Jacksonville. On the line, Kansas City favored by nine points at home. I can't give them that many. Not with so many injuries on the offensive side. Now look, maybe all of those players play. And if all those players play, Kansas City could win this game by 30. But I mean, there is always that puncher's chance that the new offensive coordinator and this quarterback specialist is coming in to work with Bortles. Maybe they see immediate success. I just think nine points is too many. So Kansas City wins straight up, but I like Jacksonville plus nine on the line. Over under at this game is set at 45 and a half. I'm going to tell you to go over simply because Kansas City's offense has been so good at home this year. Jacksonville's defense has been so bad on the road this year. Even though I like Jacksonville to cover the nine points as an underdog, I'm going to tell you to go over on 45 and a half points. Let's go to Miami now where the Dolphins are going to play host to the New York Jets AFC East matchup. And you know what? Full credit to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think there's a quarterback that's been under as much scrutiny this season as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because, the again, big to-do about re-signing him in the offseason. He comes out, he starts off horribly, loses the job, gets the job back due to a Geno Smith injury. It was looking pretty bad for the Jets there to a point. Cleveland, it was looking like that Cleveland underdog pick was really going to make me look like a genius. But the Jets came back in the second half and won that game. And full marks. Full credit to Ryan Fitzpatrick for orchestrating that comeback. The Jets are not 100% out of this thing yet. Actually, both the Jets and the Dolphins. They're not 100% out of it here in terms of a wild card. But one of these two teams needs to start turning it around and they need to start this week. So this is a really pivotal game in terms of probably that last final AFC wildcard spot. This is another matchup of two teams that are incredibly comparable in terms of what they've been able to produce offensively and defensively, although comparable, I guess, in slightly different ways. Uh, both of them are giving up more than 350 total yards per game. Miami giving up 367, the Jets giving up 363, so that's incredibly close. Miami's secondary, much better than the Jets. The Jets have been torched all season through the air, giving up 289 on average. So I think Ryan Tannehill, he's going to have himself a good day. And it's uh, one of those weeks that I'm really glad I own Jarvis Landry in most of my fantasy leagues. But if you look at Miami, they've been torched on the ground. 135.6 given up on average on the ground, whereas the Jets are a really, really good run defense, giving up under 75. They are, you know, among the league leaders, if not the league. It looks like they are exactly the league leader, giving up just slightly less than Green Bay. The one thing you can say about Miami, they've been keeping points off the board at a better clip on average than have the Jets. Jets are giving up 26 a game on average. And if you look at the situational stats, it gets a little worse. 
Jets offense on the road this year has been bad. They're only averaging 17.4 points per game. They're giving up over 28. And that's why, uh, that's the primary reason I would say that I think Miami's going to win this game. Miami's won three. All three of Miami's wins this year have come at home. I think they're going to make it four. I like Miami to beat the Jets. Miami actually outscoring teams at home, which is nice for a team that has struggled this year. So I like Miami to win this game. On the line, Miami's favored by three and a half points at home. That's not too many for me. Sure, it's over a field goal and the Jets again. Really good run defense, but I really think Ryan Tannehill is going to have himself a huge game. Tannehill could sniff 400 yards here. It could really be a coming out game for him against a very bad Jets secondary who is playing on the road. I really like Miami. Minus three and a half. Total here is 44 points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it again. Just because of how bad the Jets defense has been on the road, how bad the secondary has has been all season. I think Tannehill's really going to put up numbers here, so I like over 44. So, Miami beats the Jets in Miami. I like Miami minus three and a half, over 44 points. Let's go to Minnesota now, and nobody's going to be happier to go back to Minnesota than the Vikings. Minnesota going to play host to the Detroit Lions, and I do think Minnesota gets back to their winning ways this week. They've been incredibly, incredibly good at home. The one thing you can say about Detroit's defense is they have been playing kind of a bend-don't-break sort of deal here. They are 27th right now in the league in terms of total defense, so they've given up quite a bit of yardage this year, but it's only really translated to about 24 points against per game, which is not terrible. It's certainly nowhere near the worst in the league, but I mean, again, Minnesota has been incredibly good at home this year. They're unbeaten. They're 3-0. Now, two of their three home games have stayed under, so again, it's no surprise with how good the defense has been. Look, there's a lot of question marks for Minnesota, and were they were they quote-unquote exposed last night on Monday Night Football? I don't want to go that far, but that offensive line, they got to figure something out. I mean, they have to stick to the run game. That's the way you harden an offensive line, is you stick to the run game, even if, The run game struggles as much as Minnesota's run game has struggled. You have to stick to it. You have to stay to that run game and you have to keep pounding. And that's how your offensive line gets better. They get stronger. They get more capable. So look, there are problems in Minnesota, but they are averaging 24 points a game at home and the defense is only giving up 12 So that's my primary reason why I like Minnesota in this matchup. Detroit's defense has not been good on the road. They've given up 26.5 points per game. I like Minnesota in this one. Vikings win. We go to the line. Minnesota favored by 6.5 points. I, Man, I don't think I can give that to them. I want to. I want to because I think they're going to win. And I think they're going to win fairly comfortably. But... I mean, six and a half points, I think it's too many. Look, Matt Stafford has played incredibly well this year. Detroit's going to be able to put up yardage at the very least, if not points. But I think I got to go Detroit plus six and a half. I think six and a half is just too many for me. So Minnesota wins the game, but I like Detroit plus six and a half. Total here is 41 and a half. I think it's going to go over. Even Minnesota's defense, again, they're very good. They only gave up 20 to Chicago last night when Chicago possessed the ball for a ton of the game. So, But I still think it's going to go over 41 and a half because, again, Minnesota has been scoring at home. Detroit can just score in general. So 41 and a half, I'll tell you to go over. Minnesota beats Detroit. I like Detroit plus six and a half over 41 and a half points. 
Let's go to New York now. All NFC East matchup. The New York Giants playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. The spread in this game is a little big for me, but we'll talk about that when we get there. It's been well documented this season how much Philadelphia has struggled to move the ball through the air. Were it not for a team like San Francisco and Houston and surprisingly enough Buffalo with a, a it felt like Tyrod Taylor was having a decent little season. But were it not for the teams like that, Philadelphia would be the worst pass offense in football. And yet they've still been putting up their points. 25.6 points on average per game. You have to go all the way up to number 17, Buffalo, to find a team that is putting up more points per game than Philadelphia if you look at total offense, where Philadelphia currently sits 29th. So it's definitely been a doing more with less approach for the Eagles. And again, they've sort of rode that defense, especially in the early part of the season. They really rode a very good defense through the first three or four weeks. For their part, the Giants can definitely throw the football 275 yards on average per game through the air. That has them up there with some of the top teams in the league. They're comfortably inside the top 10 in terms of their pass offense, but they can't run the football they're running into that Cincinnati Bengals problem even though the Bengals now seem to have you know really figured it out now they're somehow Cincinnati inexplicably inside the top 10 in terms of run offense but the Giants they are the worst run offense in football seems like they had the weapons there but of course it's been injuries and it's been inconsistent line play and the Giants have really struggled to run the ball and it shows they're only putting up 19 points per game so the real question of this game is Will the Giants be able to throw the ball effectively against Philadelphia's secondary? And based on what they've done so far this season, if there's a quarterback that can expose that, Eli Manning is on that list. In terms of an overall team effort here, I do think Philadelphia is the better team between these two. I think Carson Wentz can get it figured out. I think he can put up yardage on this Giants secondary. I like Philadelphia, even though they're on the road, I like Philly to win this game. So now let's go and talk about the spread, which I just mentioned a second ago. The Giants are actually a three-point favorite at home, and that's a surprisingly large number to me. Now look, three points, not a large number in and of itself, but in a game that I expect to be this close, I'm surprised that it's over like a point and a half or two points or maybe even a pick em. But as I like Philadelphia to win the game outright, I really like Philadelphia plus three. So we're going to take Philly straight up, Philly plus three. Total in this game is 43 points. Now, it's worth noting all four of Philly's games on the road so far this season have all gone over. They're 4-0 on the over-under. But I think this game stays under 43 points. I think both defenses are going to show up to play. Again, Carson Wentz has struggled. They've struggled to put up points through the air. The run game is not great. It's good, but it's not great. So I think the game stays under. I think the defenses can keep it to a relatively low scoring. So, I like Philly to beat the Giants straight up, I like Philly plus three, and I like under 43 points. Let's go to Baltimore now, where the historic powers of the AFC North will go to battle. Baltimore taking on Pittsburgh, and this is one of those situations where actually neither of these teams, situationally, have been all that great. Pittsburgh's only 1-2 and two on the road. That's understandable. Baltimore's only 1-2 and two at home. Baltimore giving up, on average, slightly more points at home than they're scoring. Pittsburgh's defense has been terrible on the road this year, giving up an average of 27 points per game. Neither one of these teams have a winning record, obviously straight up. Neither one has a winning record against the spread. Uh, more of the games have gone under than over. 
these are two teams that in these situations have been struggling. I think it's undeniable to say that Pittsburgh's roster and the players that Pittsburgh can put out, especially on offense, offer much more upside than do Baltimore's really outside of Terrence West. The big X factor in this game is I don't expect Ben Roethlisberger to play. I'll put it this way. If Roethlisberger plays, he's going to be incredibly limited. And that's why I've actually kind of flip-flopped on this game. Between the two of them, Baltimore is unquestionably the better defense. Pittsburgh is pretty well unquestionably the better offense. Actually, I'm surprised that uh, Baltimore has struggled as much as they have on the offensive side. Originally, I took Pittsburgh to win this game, but much like the last time these two teams played when Ryan Mallett was the starting quarterback for Baltimore, I I think Pittsburgh is going to be without their starting quarterback, and that's why I think Baltimore is going to win the game. I swapped it over. Originally was going to take Pittsburgh, but I am going to take Baltimore here. Maybe the favored bump of being at home, but I like the Ravens to pull off maybe a slight upset. I guess you got to call it an upset, although they are favored by a point on the line. But I think you'd have to consider this an upset given the expectations for Pittsburgh to start the season. I like Baltimore to beat Pittsburgh at home. On the line, as I mentioned, Baltimore only favored by one point. Baltimore minus one. I like that. I think you take that. If you think Baltimore is going to win the game, Baltimore straight up, Baltimore minus one. Total in this game is 44. I have to stay under on it because Baltimore's defense is good. In fact, they're very good. Pittsburgh's likely to be without Roethlisberger. Landry Jones has not shown, you know, that he's really got it down pat at this point as a professional. We'll put it that way. So uh, 44 points. I think it's too many. I think it stays under classic AFC North matchup. So... Baltimore beats Pittsburgh straight up. Baltimore minus one on the line, under 44 points. Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Rams are going to play host to the Carolina Panthers who finally got back on track last week with their win as I told you they were going to win. And to be perfectly honest, this game comes down to one thing and one thing only and it's offense. One team has it, one team doesn't. Carolina has it, Los Angeles does not. Los Angeles only averaging 17.1 points per game so far this season. As a matter of fact, their offense gets worse when they're in their own building. They're only averaging 14 points a game in their two games. Now look, the defense gets better. They're only giving up 16 and a half. They've played fairly well. I mean, they've only had two home games so far this year. But on defense, they've played fairly well in their own building. Carolina's defense has been bad for most of the season, but they've been really bad on the road in their three road losses. All three of those games have gone over, and it's due in a big part to Carolina's inability to play defense. But again, in a matchup where the uh, the offense on the other side is not all that good, I have to go with the team that has the marked huge advantage in terms of the offense, and in this case, that's Carolina. Jonathan Stewart is back. He is looking phenomenal. So I'm going to give it to him. I think Carolina can just run Los Angeles into the dirt here. I like Carolina to beat the Rams. On the line, Carolina's favored by three points on the road. I'm going to tell you to take that. It's only a field goal. It's not that bad. I think Carolina wins this game comfortably. So Carolina minus three over L.A. Total in this one is 44 and a half. And what did I just tell you? All of Carolina's road games have gone over uh, Los Angeles one and one on the over under at home. That's four and one total between the two teams in this situation. I like it. I'm going to tell you to go over 44 and a half points. So Carolina wins straight up Carolina minus three over 44 and a half. 
If I was one of those progs that did an upset of the week, this would be my upset of the week. The Tennessee Titans traveling to San Diego to take on the Chargers, and I like the Titans. I think Tennessee in this game is going to stuff the box to focus on the major, major playmaker for San Diego, which, as I mentioned the last couple of weeks, is absolutely Melvin Gordon. So I think they're going to stuff the box, put eight guys in the box to stop Melvin Gordon, force him to take the ball to the air. Now look, Phillip Rivers... Philip Rivers having himself a little bit of a season. These two quarterbacks are more comparable than they may look. Mariota, higher completion percentage. Rivers, more yards. Touchdowns, basically a push at 15 to 14. Interceptions, basically a push at 6 to 7. These guys are incredibly comparable. I think it's going to be a game of excellent, excellent quarterback play. We know San Diego's defense. They've played better. They play better at home than they do on the road, which you can say about a lot of defenses, but you can say it about theirs. San Diego's 2-1 at home. Tennessee's 2-1 on the road. To be over 500 on the road, you have to be a good football team away from your own barn. Tennessee is a good football team away from their own barn. I think Tennessee focuses on the run game on offense and on defense. They got to focus on stopping Melvin Gordon. They got to focus on getting their run game going early and often and then letting Mariota do what Mariota does, high completion passes. I like it. I see how Tennessee wins this game. I think Tennessee does win this game. On the line, San Diego favored by five and a half points. Obviously, if I like Tennessee in the upset, I really like Tennessee plus five and a half. So give me those five and a half points. Thank you very much. Tennessee plus five and a half. Total in this game is 47 points. I actually think it stays under because like I said, San Diego's defense has been playing better. They've certainly improved over what they were doing at the beginning of the season. Uh, 47, it's just too many for me. And again, Tennessee, they're by no means an offensive juggernaut. Uh, You know, San Diego much closer to that definition than Tennessee is. 47 points, to me, it's too many. So, Tennessee upsets San Diego in San Diego. Tennessee plus five and a half on the line, under 47 points. Let's go to Oakland now for the battle of the AFC West Oakland playing host to Denver. Both of these teams at a surprising 6-2. and two. The Raiders, of course, riding an incredible 5-0 and oh start on the road. Of course, part of the problem there is that means they're only 1-2 and two at home. Again, two very comparable football teams. They're both 2-1 and one outside of the AFC. They're both 4-1 and one inside the AFC. They're both 1-1 one and one in the division. I think where the major difference comes down to is it's the major difference is defense. Just like I said with Carolina and LA, when I'm talking about offense, one team has it, one team doesn't. When we're talking about defense here between Oakland and Denver, one team has it, one team doesn't. Oakland's defense hasn't been great all season. 25 points allowed per game. Sorry, over 25 points. And when you put them in their own building, it gets even worse. They're giving up just under 31. Whereas you look at Denver, their defense actually gets a little bit better on the road, going from 17 points allowed per game to 15 points allowed per game. And that, I just think, is the huge difference. Again, Oakland only 1-2 and two at home. They're 0-3 against the spread at home. They've really struggled in their own building. Denver, they're a good enough road team, and I think they're definitely a good enough overall team to win this game and win this game fairly convincingly. It's going to be in the hands of Derek Carr, and that secondary for Denver is just so damn good. I like the Broncos. 
Even though it's on the road, I'm going to tell you to take Denver straight up to beat Oakland. This is a line that opened up as Oakland with two and a, uh, two and a half point favorite at home. It is now all the way down to a pick em, and I still like Denver, obviously. I think Denver's going to win the game, so take Denver in a pick em. Certainly take them if you're getting the points, but I think this line is going to stay close enough that you should grab Denver one way or the other. So... Denver straight up, Denver as a pick em on the line. Total here is 43.5 points. I'll tell you to go over on it. I think Trevor Simeon's going to be able to score points on this defense. Devontae Booker looked good in his uh, first game, I believe, last week as the new starting running back for Denver, obviously where they've lost uh, C.J. Anderson for the season. I think they're both going to have good nights. Derek Carr's going to put up his points. So 43.5, it's not too many for me. Denver beats Oakland. Denver as a pick em on the line over 43 and a half points. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze sees the Buffalo Bills travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. And this is a game that you could probably argue is a pretty heavy trap game because it's going to rely on so many things one way or the other. Look, Seattle's at home. That's obviously a huge, huge advantage for the Seahawks as it has traditionally been since about, what, 2012? So it's like four or five straight years now where that's been such a huge advantage But again, Russell Wilson is quote-unquote being exposed. I mean, he's definitely shown that he's... Has is having his struggles and the Seattle offense is following him. The offense not as good as it should be. For Buffalo, is LaShawn McCoy going to play? He played two weeks ago when he shouldn't have re-aggravated his injury. Didn't play last week. Gillisley did fairly well against New England. Does he play this week when they have a bye week coming up in week 10? I think it would be stupid for them to play him. But then again, I thought it was stupid two weeks ago when they played him. So you don't really know. I hope he doesn't play. But if he does play, that is an advantage to Buffalo. Because if he's, you know, 80%, I'll take LaShawn McCoy at 80% any day of the week. I think it would be dumb if they start him, but it is a possibility. So if they do, that could shift the balance in the game. Tyrod Taylor, as I mentioned earlier, from the numbers, clearly struggling in terms of his passing yardage, but he is still generating offense. He could get the better of the quarterback play in this game, and if he does, does that mean Buffalo pulls off the upset? It's There's so many questions going into a game like this. I'm going to stick with my gut. My gut tells me it's in Seattle, take the Seahawks. So I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this game straight up. Seattle beats Buffalo. On the line, Seattle's favored by seven points. I don't think I can give their offense that much credit, especially where Buffalo's defense is good. I think I got to take Buffalo plus seven. In terms of Buffalo, their offense takes a notable downtick, but their defense takes a notable uptick. I think this is going to be a defensive battle any way you slice it. So I think seven points is too many. So I like Seattle straight up at home to beat Buffalo. I like Buffalo plus seven on the line. Total in this game is 44 points. You have to go under on it. With two defenses that play extremely well in the situation, Seattle at home, Buffalo on the road, and an offense, two offenses really that are sort of struggling, one that may be missing a superstar, I think you have to take the under. So Seattle beats Buffalo, Buffalo plus seven, under 44 points. 
Okay, I think we're making decent time now, maybe a little bit better than last week. Let's get into it. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week nine. Let's do it. We're going to start with the bronze pick. Straight up, I'm four and four against the spread. I'm three, four, and one on that pick. And over under, I'm five and three. My bronze pick this week sees the New Orleans Saints traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Big thing in this game, obviously, I would usually never put New Orleans in this pick if they weren't playing at home because traditionally they've not been a good road team. They have to cross the country to play San Francisco in their building, but it's San Francisco. The one thing you can say about San Francisco, at the very least, their defense does play better when they're playing at home. They might be 1-3, but they're only giving up 23 points per game. The offense right around the same. Unfortunately, you can say the same for New Orleans as well. Their defense playing better on the road than they are at home, surprisingly. Their defense giving up just under 26 points per game, but they're averaging giving up around 31. Again, typically I would not put New Orleans in this position, uh, one of these top four picks where they're playing on the road, but it's San Francisco. I'm going to tell you to take New Orleans, obviously, on the road to get a big win in San Francisco. On the line, New Orleans favored by three points in this one. It's only a field goal. It's not too much to me. I like New Orleans minus three. Total in this game is 51 points. I think you have to stay under on it because, again, you don't really know what you're going to get out of San Francisco's offense. You could get a big game. You're typically going to get a big game out of New Orleans. But, again, it's two defenses that play slightly better in this situation. So I think you got to stay under on it even though New Orleans' offense is, well, New Orleans' offense. So... New Orleans beats San Francisco on the road. I like New Orleans minus three and under 51 points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick where I am six and two straight up and six and two against the spread as well as five and three over under on the season sees the Green Bay Packers playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. And is there any fan base that breathed as much of a sigh of relief in week eight as did Green Bay? Now look, they lost that game. There's no getting around it. They lost the game. But Aaron Rodgers finally looked like Aaron Rodgers again. Aaron Rodgers has an 8-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio in his last three games. He's gone over 100 on his QBR the last two games. And what he did last week that I think really was an indicator to me that he is back is he started running the ball. Six rushes, 60 yards. That's the Aaron Rodgers we all kind of know who can make plays, get things done with his feet. The Colts, meanwhile, they lost last week. They've now fallen two games behind in the race for the AFC South, which is still led by the Houston Texans, although they seem to be doing everything in their power to give that lead up. The Colts really need to turn around here and really need to start making something happen now at the essentially halfway point of the season. But it's going to be tough sledding for the Colts this week with a defense that is questionable just in general, but certainly on the road against a team that does play better at home, a perpetually very, very strong home team in Green Bay. They're 3-1 and one again this year. This year, they're riding their defense a little bit more than they have been in years past. The defense takes a little bit of an uptick at home. It's going to be a tough week for Indy. The last thing a Colts team that arguably has their season on the line wanted to see is an Aaron Rodgers playing like Aaron Rodgers of old, a man that I have affectionately termed in years past the fantasy football cheat code. I think it's pretty obvious where I'm going with this one. I really like Green Bay in this matchup. It's a good situational matchup for them. I think it's a strong play. I like Green Bay to beat Indianapolis 
in Green Bay. On the line, Packers are favored by a touchdown. That line is coming down a little bit, but I still like it. Green Bay minus seven. I don't think the Colts are going to have much of any answer on defense for Aaron Rodgers, especially if he gets Ty Montgomery back and Randall Cobb. Ty Montgomery, probably the most frustrating inactive of week eight for me because it's just he had an illness all week we weren't really a hundred percent sure what it was he didn't play it was really frustrating then we come to find out he had like bleeding from his kidney or something like that so i guess he had a good excuse but i expect him to be back this week i expect randall cobb to be back this week that's a full complement of receivers for aaron Rodgers. it's going to be very difficult for the colts to not have their defense be spread so thin that they can't do a damn thing and then they just start throwing the run game at them with Ty Montgomery. Seven points is not too many for me. I like Green Bay minus seven against Indy. Total in this game is 54 points. It's the biggest total that we're going to see this week. I think you have to stay under on it. I don't know what the Colts are going to be able to do against Green Bay, a defense that does play better when they're at home. Look, Green Bay's defense is not impenetrable by any means, but 54 points, it's just a high total for me. Even with a Packers offense that seems to be turning it around, I'm going to tell you to stay under those 54 points on the total. So, Green Bay beats Indianapolis. I like Green Bay minus 7 on the line, under 54 points. That's the silver pick. My gold pick where I'm a perfect 8-0 so far on the season, 5-3 against the spread, and 4-4 four and four on the over-under, sees the Atlanta Falcons travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. Very little to say about this game. Atlanta still a powerhouse. They proved it last week by coming back and beating Green Bay. Now that was on Atlanta's home turf, so you can always get the little kind of home field bump there, but Tampa Bay has been a historically bad football team at home this year i think they've i think they're still winless at home i believe they're still 0-3 and the way they lost that game last week it has to be demoralizing for that defense it does look like the bucks are going to get doug martin back this week although some people have been saying that for a couple of weeks if they get doug martin back it's definitely a benefit to them but i don't think it's going to be enough here atlanta they're relatively healthy and matt ryan is just playing out of his mind and he's still playing out of his mind so I really don't trust that Tampa Bay team, especially at home. I like the Falcons. It should be a walk. I think this is an absolute lock. I like Atlanta to beat Tampa Bay. On the line, Atlanta only favored by three and a half points. I think that's a gift from Las Vegas. I think you should take it. Atlanta minus three and a half over Tampa Bay. Total in this game is 51 and a half points. I think you have to go over on it because Tampa Bay's defense, again, very bad. And they've played incredibly bad at home. Atlanta's defense, they're young. They're good. They're not great. I think Tampa Bay is going to put up their points. So 51 and a half points. I think it's going to sail over that. You could see a 70, 80 point game in this one. So I really like over 51 and a half points. I like Atlanta minus three and Atlanta straight up. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick where I am seven and one straight up on the season, two, five and one against the spread. So we're really struggling on the spread there and four and four over under sees the Dallas Cowboys on the road, travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns and where I was giving the Browns the benefit of the doubt in a good matchup against the Jets last week. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt against Dak Prescott and against Zeke Elliott and against that Dallas Cowboys team. Des Bryant is back. He looked like he was very healthy, very comfortable. Looked like he and Dak had a bit of a rapport there. I'm sure they've been working on that while Dez has been out. And I think Dallas rolls in this one. Absolutely. Cleveland's going to win a game. 
There's no denying it. Cleveland's going to win a game at some point. This is not an 0-16 team. They're going to win a game at one point. It's probably going to be a game at home, and it's probably going to be against a team that doesn't play well on the road. That's not the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are undefeated on the road. They're undefeated against the spread on the road. They're 6-1 and one against the spread on the season as well as straight up. Dallas goes into Cleveland and curb stomps the Browns. On the line, Dallas favored by a touchdown. If it's a touchdown or below, I say take it against the Browns. So Dallas minus seven, I think that's a lock. You should say thank you very much to Vegas. This should probably be about a 10-point spread. Total in this game is 47 points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. I think Dallas is going to put up a ton of points, and Cleveland has the potential, of course, to put up points. The one thing about their team that's really not as big a problem as the other side, certainly, is the offense. So Cleveland can put up points. They got Duke Johnson more involved in the offense last week. That definitely helped them out. So if they get Duke Johnson as involved this week as they did last week, they're going to put up their points. But... I'd still, I just, I still, I love Dallas there. It's by a touchdown or under. I think you take it over 47 points. Dallas minus seven. Dallas wins straight up. That is the platinum pick. No comments from the SoundCloud episode this week, so we're back to YouTube for the comment of the week. The comment of the week from the Week 8 video goes to the godfather himself, Geo Knows. Now, his comment last week, he was talking in reference to the Raiders and Tampa Bay game. Not only are the Raiders trying to win back-to-back -back road games, very hard to do, but they seem to escape the 702 call, the dreaded 702 call, last week when the money was coming in on them, but the line was going the other way. So far, the same thing's happening, although it's still early, but if it continues, I don't think the Raiders can pull that off twice in a row. Now look, they did pull it off twice in a row. It took overtime, and there was a great chance that it wasn't going to happen, obviously. You can't really predict overtime. So Gio was really right on the money, and this is a dude that his insight into the game is incredible and he's influenced all of us and it was about damn time that I gave him his due credit as a comment of the week. So, he may not have been right about the Raiders not winning back-to-back -back road games, but the insight is there. So congratulations, Gio. You are the comment of the week from the Week 8 video. All right, folks, that's going to do it for Week 9 in the NFL season. I hope Week 8 worked out well for you. I hope it worked out slightly better than it did for us. But hey, we were winning ways all across the board, so you can't really argue with that going to get you out of here on my CFL picks for the final week of the CFL regular season, week 20. We had a really good week last week, finally broke through. We were three and one straight up last week. Now a uh, up to 500, 18 and 18, picking the CFL. It's the last week of the regular season. Let's end it on a high note. Keep that momentum. In week 20 of the CFL, I've got Winnipeg on the road beating Ottawa. I've got Montreal on the road beating Hamilton. I've got Edmonton at home beating Toronto. And I've got BC at home beating Saskatchewan. That's it for me, Justin. Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Week 9 is in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. We will see you again for week 10. And keep your eyes peeled because I got a special video coming out in the next day or two after we put out this episode. Keep watch for it. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.